Section number 41 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 7. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 7, by Anonymous, translated by Richard Francis Burton. Section 41 When it was the seven hundred and fifty-seventh night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when King Muhammad, son of Sabaik, said to Hassan the merchant, And now bring me that I seek of thee, a special favor awaiteth thee, and thou mayest now rejoice in that which I have promised thee. But in thou bring it not, thou art not of us, nor are we of thee. Hassan kissed ground before the king, and went out from the presence. Then he chose five of the best of his Mamelukes, who could all write and read, and were learned, intelligent, accomplished, and he gave each of them five thousand dinars, saying, I reared you not, save for the like of this day, so do ye help me to further the king's desire, and deliver me from his hand. Quoth they, What wilt thou have us do? Our lives be thy ransom. Quoth he, I wish you to go each to a different country and seek out diligently the learned and erudite and literate and the tellers of wondrous stories and marvelous histories, and do your endeavor to procure me the story of Saif al-Maluk. If ye find it with any one, pay him what price soever he asketh for it, although he demand a thousand dinars. Give him what ye may, and promise him the rest, and bring me the story." For whoso happeneth upon it, and bringeth it to me, I will bestow on him a costly robe of honor and largesse galore, and there shall be to me none more worship than he. Then he said to one of them, Hie thou to Al-Hind and Al-Sind, and all their provinces and dependencies. To another, Hie thou to the home of the Persians, and to China and her climates. To the third, Hie thou to the land of Khorasan with its districts. To the fourth, hie thou to Mauritania, and all its regions, districts, provinces, and quarters. And to the fifth, hie thou to Syria and Egypt and their outliers. Moreover, he chose them at an auspicious day, and said to them, Fare ye forth this day, and be diligent in the accomplishment of my need, and be not slothful, though the case cost you your lives. So they farewelled him, and departed, each taking the direction prescribed to him. Now four of them were absent four months, and searched, but found nothing. So they returned and told their master, whose breast was straightened, that they had ransacked towns and cities and countries for the thing he sought, but had happened upon naught thereof. Meanwhile the fifth servant journeyed till he came to the land of Syria, and entered Damascus, which he found a pleasant city and a secure, abounding in trees and rills, lees and fruiteries, and birds chanting the praises of Allah the One, the all-powerful of sway, creator of night and day. Here he tarried some time, asking for his master's desire, but none answered him. Wherefore he was on the point of departing thence to another place, when he met a young man running and stumbling over his skirts. So he asked of him, Wherefore runnest thou in such eagerness, and whither dost thou press? And he answered, There is an elder here, 
a man of learning who every day at this time taketh his seat on a stool and relateth tales and stories and delectable anecdotes whereof never heard any the like and i am running to get a place near him and i fear i shall find no room because of the much folk quoth the mameluke take me with thee and quoth the youth make haste in thy walking so he shut his door and hastened with him to the place of recitation where he saw an old man of bright favor seated on a stool holding forth to the folk he sat down near him and addressed himself to hear his story till the going down of the sun when the old man made an end of his tale and the people having heard it all dispersed from about him whereupon the mameluke accosted him and saluted him and he returned his salam and greeted him with the utmost worship and courtesy then said the messenger to him o my lord sheikh thou art a comely and reverend man and thy discourse is goodly but i would fain ask of thee somewhat replied the old man ask of what thou wilt then said the mameluke hast thou heard the story of saif al-maluk and bali al-jamal rejoined the elder and who told thee of this story and informed thee thereof answered the messenger none told me of it but i am come from a far country in quest of this tale and i will pay thee whatever thou askest for its price if thou have it and wilt of thy bounty and charity impart it to me and make it an alms to me of the generosity of thy nature for had i my life in my hand and lavished it upon thee for this thing yet were it pleasing to my heart replied the old man be of good cheer and keep thine eye cool and clear thou shalt have it but this is no story that one telleth in the beaten highway nor do i give it to every one cried the other by allah o my lord do not grudge at me but ask of me what price thou wilt and the old man if thou wish for the history give me a hundred dinars and thou shalt have it but upon five conditions now when the mameluke knew that the old man had the story and was willing to sell it to him he joyed with exceeding joy and said i will give thee the hundred dinars by way of price and tend to boot as a gratuity and take it on the conditions of which thou speakest said the old man then go and fetch the gold pieces and take that thou seekest so the messenger kissed his hands and joyful and happy returned to his lodging where he laid an hundred and ten dinars in a purse he had by him as soon as morning morrowed he donned his clothes and taking the dinars repaired to the storyteller whom he found seated at the door of his house so he saluted him and the other returned his salam then he gave him the gold and the old man took it and carrying the messenger into his house made him sit down in a convenient place when he set before him ink-case and reed-pen and paper and giving him a book said to him write out what thou seekest of the night story of saif al-maluk from this book accordingly the mameluke fell to work and wrote till he had made an end of his copy when he read it to the old man and he corrected it and presently said to him know o my son that my five conditions are as follows firstly that thou tell not this story in the beaten high road nor before women and slave girls nor to black slaves nor featherheads nor again to boys but read it only before kings and emirs and wazirs and men of learning such as expounders of the koran and others whereupon the messenger accepted the conditions and kissing the old man's hand took leave of him 
and fared forth, and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the seven hundred and fifty-eighth night, she continued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the Mameluke of Hassan the merchant had copied the tale out of the book belonging to the old man of Damascus, and had accepted his conditions and farewelled him, he fared forth on the same day, glad and joyful, and journeyed on diligently of the excess of his contentment, for that he had gotten the story of Saif al-Maluk, till he came to his own country when he dispatched his servant to bear the good news to his master, and say to him, Thy Mameluke is come back in safety, and hath won his will and his aim. Now of the term appointed between Hassan and the king, there wanted but ten days. Then, after taking rest in his own quarters, he himself went in to the merchant, and told him all that had befallen him, and gave him the book containing the story of Saif al-Muluk and Badia al-Jamal. When Hassan joyed with exceeding joy at the sight, and bestowed on him all the clothes he had on, and gave him ten thoroughbred horses, and the like number of camels, and mules, and three negro chattels, and two white slaves. Then Hassan took the book, and copied out the story plainly in his own hand, after which he presented himself before the king, and said to him, O thou auspicious king, I have brought thee a night's story, and a rarely pleasant relation, whose like none ever heard at all. When these words reached the king's ear, he sent forthright for all the emirs, who were men of understanding, and all the learned doctors and folk of erudition, and culture, and poets, and wits, and Hassan sat down and read the history before the king, who marveled thereat, and approved it, as did all who were present, and they showered gold and silver and jewels upon the merchant. Moreover, the king bestowed on him a costly robe of honor of the richest of his raiment, and gave him a great city with its castles and outliers. And he appointed him one of his chief wazirs, and seated him on his right hand. Then he caused the scribes write the story in letters of gold, and lay it up in his privy treasures, and whenever his breast was straightened, he would summon Hassan, and he would read him the story, which was as follows. Story of Prince Saif al-Muluk and the Princess Badi al-Jamal There was once in days of old, and in ages and times long told, a king in Egypt named Asim bin Safwan, who was a liberal and beneficent sovereign, venerable and majestic. He owned many cities and sconces and fortresses and troops and warriors and had a wazir named Faris ben Sali, and he and all his subjects worshipped the sun and the fire instead of the all-powerful sire, the glorious, the victorious. Now this king was become a very old man, weakened and wasted with age and sickness and decrepitude, for he had lived an hundred and fourscore years and had no child, male or female, by reason whereof he was ever in cark and care from morning to night and from night to morn. It so happened that one day of these days he was sitting on the throne of his kingship with his emirs and wazirs and captains and grandees in attendance on him, according to their custom, in their several stations, and whenever there came in an emir who had with him a son, or two sons, or haply three, who stood at the sides of their sires, the king envied him and said in himself, 
Every one of these is happy and rejoiceth in his children, whilst I, I have no child, and to-morrow I die and leave my reign and throne and lands and hordes, and strangers will take them, and none will bear me in memory, nor will there remain any mention of me in the world. Then he became drowned in the sea of thought, and for the much thronging of griefs and anxieties upon his ear, like travellers faring for the well, he shed tears and descending from his throne, sat down upon the floor, weeping and humbling himself before the Lord. Now when the wazir and notables of the realm and others who were present in the assembly saw him do thus with his royal person, they feared for their lives, and let the poor suivants cry aloud to the lieges, saying, Hie ye to your homes, and rest until the king recover from what aileth him. So they went away, leaving none in the presence save the minister, who, as soon as the king came to himself, kissed ground between his hands, and said, O king of the age and the time, wherefore this weeping and wailing? Tell me who hath transgressed against thee, of the kings, or Castilians, or emirs, or grandees, and inform me who hath thwarted thee, O my liege lord, that we may all fall on him and tear his soul from his two sides. But he spake not, neither raised his head. Whereupon the minister kissed ground before him a second time, and said to him, O master, I am even as thy son and thy slave, nay, I have reared thee, yet know I not the cause of thy cark and chagrin, and of this thy case. And who should know but I, who should stand in my stead between thy hands? Tell me, therefore, why this weeping, and wherefore thine affliction? Nevertheless, the king neither opened his mouth nor raised his head, but ceased not to weep and cry with a loud crying, and lament with exceeding lamentation, and ejaculate, Alas! The wazir took patience with him a while, after which he said to him, Except thou tell me the cause of this thine affliction, I will set this sword to my heart, and will slay myself before thine eyes, rather than see thee thus distressed. Then King Asim raised his head, and wiping away his tears, said, O minister of good counsel and experience, leave me to my care and my chagrin, for that which is in my heart of sorrow sufficeth me. But Pharaoh said, Tell me, O king, the cause of this thy weeping. Haply Allah will appoint thee relief at my hands. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the seven hundred and fifty-ninth night, she pursued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the wazir said to King Asim, Tell me the cause of this thy weeping. Haply, Allah shall appoint thee relief at my hands. Replied the king, O wazir, I weep not for monies, nor horses, nor kingdoms, nor aught else, but that I am become an old man, yea, very old, nigh upon an hundred and fourscore years of age, and I have not been blessed with a child, male or female. So when I die, they will bury me, and my trace will be effaced, and my name cut off. The stranger will take my throne and reign, and none will ever make mention of my being. Rejoined the minister Pharis, O king of the age, I am older than thou by an hundred years, yet I have never been blessed with boon of child, and cease not day and night from cark and care and concern. So how shall we do, I and thou? 
quoth Asim, O Wazir, thou hast no device or shift in this matter? And quoth the minister, Know, O king, that I have heard of a sovereign in the land of Sabah, by name Solomon Davidson, upon the twain be the peace, who pretendeth to prophetship, and avoucheth that he hath a mighty lord who can do all things, and whose kingdom is in the heavens, and who hath dominion over all mankind, and birds, and beasts, and over the wind, and the jinn. Moreover, he kenneth the speech of birds, and the language of every other created thing, and withal he calleth all creatures to the worship of his lord, and discourseth to them of their service. So let us send him a messenger in the king's name, and seek of him our need, beseeching him to put up prayer to his lord, that he vouchsafe each of us boon of issue. If his faith be soothfast, and his lord omnipotent, he will assuredly bless each of us with a child, male or female, and if the thing thus fall out, we will enter his faith and worship his lord. Else we will take patience and devise us another device. The king cried, This is well seen, and my breast is broadened by this thy speech. But where shall we find a messenger befitting this grave matter, for that the Solomon is no kinglet, and the approaching him is no light affair? Indeed, I will send him none on the like of this matter, save thyself, for thou art ancient and versed in all manner affairs, and the like of thee is the like of myself. Wherefore I desire that thou weary thyself and journey to him, and occupy thyself sedulously with accomplishing this matter, so haply solace may be at thy hand. The minister said, I hear and I obey, but rise thou forthwith and seat thee upon the throne, so the emirs and lords of the realm and officers in the lieges may enter applying themselves to thy service, according to their custom. For they all went away from thee, troubled at heart on thine account. Then will I go out and set forth on the sovereign's errand. So the king arose forthright and sat down on the throne of his kingship, whilst the wazir went out and said to the chamberlain, Bid the folk proceed to their service as of their want. Accordingly, the troops and captains and lords of the land entered, after they had spread the tables and ate and drank, and withdrew as was their wont, after which the wazir Faris went forth from King Asim, and repairing to his own house, equipped himself for travel, and returned to the king, who opened to him the treasuries, and provided him with rarities, and things of price, and rich stuffs and gear without compare, such as nor emir nor wazir hath power to possess. Moreover, King Hasim charged him to accost Solomon with reverence, foregoing him with the salam, but not exceeding in speech. And, continued he, then do thou ask of him thy need, and if he say tis granted, return to us in haste, for I shall be awaiting thee. Accordingly, the minister kissed hands and took the presents, and setting out, fared on night and day, till he came within fifteen days' journey of Sabah. Meanwhile, Allah, extolled and exalted be he, inspired Solomon the son of David, the peace be upon both, and said to him, O Solomon, the king of Egypt sendeth unto thee his chief wazir, with a present of rarities and such and such things of price, so do thou also dispatch thy counsellor, Asaf bin Barkhaya, 
to meet him with honor and with victual at the halting places. And when he cometh to thy presence, say unto him, Verily thy king hath sent thee in quest of this and that, and thy business is thus and thus. Then do thou propound to him the saving faith. Whereupon Solomon bade his vizier make ready a company of his retainers, and go forth to meet the minister of Egypt with honor and sumptuous provision at the halting places. So Asaf made ready all that was needed for their entertainment, and setting out fared on till he fell in with Pharis and accosted him with a salam, honoring him and his company with exceeding honor. Moreover, he brought them provant and provender at the halting places, and said to them, Welcome and welcome, and fair welcome to the coming guests. Rejoice in the certain winning of your wish. Be your souls of good cheer, and your eyes cool and clear, and your breasts be broadened. Quoth Pharis in himself, Who hath acquainted him with this? And he said to Asaf, O my lord, and who gave thee to know of us and our need? It was Solomon, son of David, on whom be the peace, told us of this. And who told our lord Solomon? The lord of the heaven and the earth told him, the god of all creatures. This is none other than a mighty god, and do ye not worship him? We worship the sun and prostrate ourselves thereto. O Wazir Pharis, the sun is but a star of the stars created by Allah, extolled and exalted be he, and Allah forbid that it should be a lord, because whiles it riseth and whiles it setteth, but our lord is ever present and never absent, and he over all things is omnipotent. Then they journeyed on a little while, till they came to the land Sabah, and drew near the throne of Solomon Davidson, upon the twain be peace, who commanded his hosts of men and jinn and others to form line on their road, so the beasts of the sea and the elephants and leopards and lynxes and all beasts of the land ranged himself in espalier on either side of the way, after their several kinds, and similarly the jinn drew out in two ranks, appearing all to mortal eyes without concealment in diverse forms grisly and gruesome. So they lined the road on either hand, and the birds bespread their wings over the host of creatures to shade them, warbling one to other in all manner of voices and tongues. Now when the people of Egypt came to this terrible array, they dreaded it and durst not proceed. But Asaf said to them, Pass on amidst them and walk forward and fear them not, for they are slaves of Solomon, son of David, and none of them will harm you. So saying, he entered between the ranks, followed by all the folk, and amongst them the wazir of Egypt and his company, fearful, and they ceased not faring forwards till they reached the city, where they lodged the embassy in the guest house, and for the space of three days entertained them sumptuously, entreating them with the utmost honor. Then they carried them before Solomon, prophet of Allah, on whom be the peace, and when entering they would have kissed the earth before him, but he forbade them, saying, It befitteth not a man to prostrate himself to earth, save before Allah, to whom belong might and majesty, creator of earth and heaven, and all other things. Wherefore, whosoever of you hath meant to sit, let him be seated in my service, or to stand, let him stand, but let none stand to do me worship. 
So they obeyed him, and the wazir Faris and some of his intimates sat down, while certain of the lesser sort remained afoot to wait on him. When they had sat a while, the servants spread the tables, and they all, men and beasts, ate their sufficiency. Then Solomon bade Faris expound his errand, that it might be accomplished, saying, Speak and hide not of that wherefore thou art come, for I know why ye come, and what is your errand which is thus and thus. The king of Egypt, who dispatched thee, a Simhite become a very old man, infirm, decrepit, and Allah, whose name be exalted, hath not blessed him with offspring, male or female. So he abode in cark and care and chagrin, from morn to night, and from night to morn. It so happened that one day of these days, as he sat upon the throne of his kingship with his emirs, and wazirs, and captains, and grandees in attendance on him, he saw some of them with two sons, others with one, and others even three, who came with their sires to do him service. So he said in himself, of the excess of his sorrow, Who shall get my kingdom after my death? Will any save a stranger take it? And thus shall I pass out of being as though I had never been? On this account he became drowned in the sea of thought, until his eyes were flooded with tears, and he covered his face with his kerchief, and wept with sore weeping. Then he rose from off his throne, and sat down upon the floor, wailing and lamenting, and none knew what was in his heart as he graveled in the ground, save Allah Almighty. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section 41